You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hey, Mountain Bike Radio listeners, before you dig into this new episode of Just Ride Along, I have two notes for you. One, if you value the show, if you've been listening for a while, if you uh, find yourself during the day or in your shop or wherever it is, and you like what you hear, please go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR. Right there, you're going to find a link to membership, which you could also go to mountainbikeradio.com slash membership. But uh, on the support MBR page, you will find two things, a link to the membership, a little description, and an Amazon link. So if you shop on Amazon and uh, you want to help out Mountain Bike Radio, it's free to you, really easy. You click through that link, buy your stuff, and a little percentage goes back to us. So you're doing good, and uh, for nothing out of your pocket, it's really easy. If you want to spend a little out of your pocket, I would encourage you to become a member. For as little as a dollar a month, if we get a thousand people to do a dollar a month, um, we can do some really cool things. So it's that it's pretty simple. If you want to go a little bit higher, we have some more benefits and uh, it works out for everyone. All right. The other thing is we just updated the endurance mountain bike racing calendar. I made it easy. I have a domain set up. Uh, you can go to endurancecalendar.com. Just sticks in your head, endurancecalendar.com. Otherwise, you just go to mountainbikeradio.com, click on calendars on the top. Um, updated with a bunch of new events, all the dates through the end of the year, as far as I could tell. And it's all in a filterable, if that's a word, uh, table. So you could filter by state, distance, date. Um, and it's all set up in different date tabs. So you can go to April, filter through there. Uh, you can go through March or May, rather, June and filter. So if you have any questions, comments, maybe you have a race that you're looking to, um, that you know of, or you're the director and you want to promote, uh, check it out. And you can send any questions to me at ben at mountainbikeradio.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along. And I am bad at swallowing. Um, I just... <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't say brought to you by. You just said hello. You know, I'm, to an I'm, episode I'm, and I'm, I'm bad. I'm changing the game this weekend, this week. Oh my whatever. god. Whatever. Um, <laughs> that that sounded terrible. Um, How did you think it was going to sound? I don't know. Okay. I just had uh, so I just like choked on. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I had a French fry in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I just choked again while you were making your drink. I took a drink of my drink and just. I just choked on it. I choked on liquid and it didn't go in my nose. Thank goodness. Because that French fry incident was mildly traumatic. <laughs> um, though I think one of our listeners emailed us to tell us that it was highly entertaining. So extremely entertaining actually. Yeah. Like he was laughing at inappropriate times or something or someone was <laughs> looking at him. He was laughing in his car so hard <clears throat> that the person next to him was looking at him. Yeah. <clears throat> that French fry, by the way, like pieces of it kept coming out of my nose, like the rest of the night, like there were at least two or three more incidences of me feeling the release of French fry out of my nose. That's really fucking gross. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was terrible, but I'm really glad that it, you know, all came out in the end. Um, so, uh, first off tonight, before we get started with anything else, uh, we had some feedback from the, uh, from Colin, 
I'm not that fat Blanchard at Industry 9. And I just say that because that's his email signature. Um, he was listening to our show where we had recommended um, you can that you can use a small amount of tenacious oil in your Industry 9 hub. Uh-oh, I9's going to get upset. Here and he, he said, please don't tell people to do that. Oh, man. Um, and to use Freehub oil because the tenacious oil is thick. Um, and if people didn't take our advice to only use a tiny, tiny bit, um, they could potentially put too much in there and cause the paws to stick down and not engage. I suppose. I mean... Uh... Hey, I'm have, just saying so, what he said. Yeah, so that's, there's... that's fine. That's fine. But he's, think he's about probably told by other people and blah blah blah. No, and I'm sure but... they've seen some weird case. Hang on, but I have built seriously. Fuck, I don't know. I've rebuilt a hundred of those things, like my my own ten times, and a million other customers, and they are all perfect. And I mean perfect. And I mean, you use never, just the right amount. I'm sure. Like you I don't put much in there. And then there's here comes Chris fucking King, and I use their shit. And if you, like, breathe on it wrong, the whole thing doesn't work. <laughs> well, I think that what Colin is trying to prevent is when somebody goes in there squirting lube on it like prom night, the tenacious may cause a problem. And Possibly. But, but here's the thing. you got to remember that you're one of the best mechanics that I've ever met. And the at-home service guy is just like, if a little lube is good, more lube is better. Or he's he just, just like, I heard them say tenacious oil on mountain bike radio, so squirt. And they just hand fist that shit in there. Like they use enough tenacious oil. Like they use more tenacious oil in their hub than you've used ever. Like yeah, they're exactly. just like like they squirrel. they fill that void that that you know the poles go into. They just fill that with tenacious oil. Yeah. So for all of our listeners, you need to take that tenacious oil and you need to like take a drip onto your workbench or a paper towel or something and see like roughly what size one drip is, and you need to put one to two drips on each pawl and spring area and like maybe one inside the freehub body and that is it. That's or, all or like the guy at I9 said, don't use tenacious oil, use freehub oil. And just go all... He l- said you can also, if you don't have a freehub oil, you can use a light chain lube also. Like that was his, if you don't have this, use that. And he would rather you put chain lube in your I9 hub than put tenacious oil in there. Mm, yeah. I don't agree with that, but that's fine. <laughs> For what it's worth, since since they listen, I we had a we had a listener uh, send me a picture of their new i nine wheels the other day. It was i nine hubs laced to Knox rims, um, and just this week at work, I ordered pillar carbons for a dude. It was sick. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah, we, I mean they are definitely. Uh, <clears throat> that customer spent so much money. They are definitely no, our, our favorite wheels. Yeah, in all seriousness, you know I like to uh, you know any kind of feedback is good. Everyone's going to have different opinions. There's a lot of different ways to do things but i really like the people at i9 every time i've given them a call with any kind of issue uh, they've always been really responsive and you know from warranties to just general questions about spoke tension or whatever it is they're all really you know easily accessible uh, cool people up there and you know if you have one of your ideas they seem to be you know fairly open to it as well so anyway Except just for using tenacious oil <laughs> well that is we're, not we're, a good idea we're gonna ignore that that's a great Colin, idea. i'm not that fat blanchard says so Oh, it's a great idea. I love tenacious oil. <laughs> Do you put it on your hot dogs? <laughs> I would. You, use, you dip your McNuggets in tenacious oil? If it was uh, as bio-friendly as Simple Green, then I would put it on my hot dog. Okay. <laughs> that sounds terrible. I'm so disgusted. 
That was Randy S., by the way, that was entertained by the French fry in my nose. Not uh, not the guy at I-9? No. Colin? No. Okay. Um, so now that we've cleared that up, do, do we uh, want to talk about other stuff? Oh, I just want to make people mad. I rode my really nice road bike again. Hot damn, it's really nice. <laughs> I rode my bike on the road, and it was really nice. I did. I put a new drivetrain on my road bike. And, you know, it's like one of those things where I've been riding a clapped out drivetrain for so long that I've just kind of gotten used to it. And then I put the new drivetrain on there. Like everything, chain rings, chain, cassette, two new cables. And, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot. I have a really nice bike and not like some clapped out piece of junk that doesn't shift very well. (laughs) Hey, this brings up an idea. So... An issue I've had with customers, just a few lately, is having somebody's bike that's relatively nice, and they've been in for service a bunch before, and they keep coming in saying, ah, my rear derailleur is not quite right, and I'll look at it, and there's really nothing I can do for it. Any adjustment I make doesn't really make it much better or worse, and all I can really tell them, because I know what the answer is, but they don't want to hear it, I'm like, look, your shit's kind of clapped out. Like, it's just, I can't tell you exactly what it is, because I don't think it's one thing. It's not just the shifter. It's not just some little bit loose bushings in the derailleur. It's it's kind of everything. And I know you don't want to hear that, but I have a hard time. Like they have nice nine-speed stuff? Yeah, or nice ten-speed stuff, even. That they've just used a lot. And it's just got tons of miles on it. And, I, you know, I want it to work, and I know it should work, and I know how it does work when it's new. And I know something is wrong, and I cannot fix it. And they want me to just tell them that I can fix it. Yeah, like, oh, I just need to turn your barrel adjuster. I have a really good answer for that. You know, and and the chain's a little worn, and the rings and the cassette are a little bit worn, and I check everything, and there's not one thing that's just like, oh, yeah, that's broken. And I tried to very nicely convey that to him and say, look, I I just want to let you know I've done the best that I can. This stuff has just got a lot of miles on it, and you really need to think about getting something new. And they're just like, oh, I, I don't understand. It's it's Dura-Ace. I'm like, yeah, it is, but it's Dura-Ace with 20,000 miles on it, and it's it's tired as shit. Well, that's the thing. Like, So if that bike came into the shop and the chain was worn, I would recommend the customer a new chain, depending on the chain wear, new cassette. And if it's 7,800 or prior, so any Shimano where the cable enters the side of the shift hood, you know, instead of under the tape, it's like an exposed shift housing. Every time you replace the chain, replace the shift cable. Because sure. those those are the shift cables that like to break off inside the shifter. Yeah, that's no fun. I've had to fish a few of those. Have out. you seen, Bop Kenny, me. have you noticed that like but, that new but, Shimano... Oh, never mind. I'll, I'll ask after we're done. So what I've seen, though, is like when people's bikes are being like iffy, like every once in a while, like a bike is iffy, and you like do that thing where you... You sneak some cable out of the shifter, you know, like you shift it up to the 28 and then downshift it without pedaling so you can get it out of the, like, a, imagine like a 7, you know, so you pull it out of the, the chainstay cable stop and then you can pull shift cable housing up top and then push some cable out of the shifter, you know? Sure. And there's like two strands hanging off and I'm like, oh, well, it won't index properly because, you know, your cable can't return because the cable starting to break it's really no, that's a good point and that's a good possibility with those type of shifters but i've even had fully sti shifters and again possible they have frayed cables but um again it's let's say this is a situation where all the cables are fine everything seems to be relatively fine you know the cassette doesn't have any 
obvious gnarly where the chain's okay, but it just shifts kind of just just shitty, just everywhere. Um, nine thousand <clears throat> Dura's nine thousand cable. That would be my next thing. Yeah, and all that stuff's a good possibility, but I mean really the answer is you need a new fucking drivetrain. But people don't want to hear it. Yeah. I mean mine was like a different bike when I replaced all that stuff. And you know what I was gonna ask a second ago? I've seen those those Shimano Siltec cables, the relatively new ones that came out kind of with like eleven speed. Sure. Um I've seen one mangled inside of a shifter and one almost about to break. Like two like two threads of the cable were hanging on and the shifter literally felt one hundred percent normal and it was acting like it had a bent derailleur hanger. Hmm. And I, I ruled that out and we just, you know, happened to like peel it back and be like, well, you know, maybe there's, you know, like the cable housing's not seated or something. And sure enough, that cable was just like about to go. So when- that's a good point, though. I mean, just check your check for frayed cables. If you if you've kind of exhausted all your options, I think that's a really good that's a really good point. Yeah, and you, and you, I, I didn't know if maybe you had seen those Siltec cables wear out faster. I have seen not breakage. I've seen so. them over a long period of time, like down at the derailleur where they're exposed for that inch or two. Yeah. I've definitely seen um, most all of that coating worn off, and sometimes it can kind of bunch up a little bit, but not as bad as like – Yeah, supposedly it doesn't <clears throat> d- not Not as bad as the gore stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've never had it be like a major issue. It's more of a cosmetic thing where I notice, wow, all this coating is missing. Uh, but it's usually by the time where they have so many miles that I replace the cable anyway. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I still run those cables on my mountain bike, and they are phenomenal. Yeah, I think I still have them on my... Uh... Or I should say cable. Yeah. I think I still have them on my Mach 6 that has the XDR on it. So what I've seen is 7,800. So any exposed shift housing or prior that really wants to snap cables off at the shift head like at yes the, at i the, have seen that many many times i've seen at least five or ten so far in my career where they're completely snapped or they're broken and like the cable is stuck in there and you have to oh it's like a oh it's horrible trying to fish that out so just from just from volume um i've probably you know our shop does so much volume i've probably seen personally caught like 10 to 15 of those over the last year. Yeah. And you and haven't seen any Siltec cables? Nope. Okay. Uh, That's just, so, I guess I've seen no, like no, two. No. Uh, I was noping you, interjecting yeah. again. Okay. 7,800 and prior with the exposed shift housing does it. 7,900, 6,700, that did not do it. The new 11-speed Shimano stuff is doing it again. Oh, Interesting. Okay. So if you have that 9,000 or 6,700 or, or 9,000 or 6,800 or something – um, you should really it, it sucks because the chains are the same price but the cables are really expensive but yeah, you yeah. should be replacing your shift your rear shift cable every time you replace your chain yeah it's really good it's just good habit to do that anyway and people need to get in that habit um, and i don't know something about my riding style or my bike or something or about my one by ten setup i break rear derailleur cables i have no fucking idea how and i snap <laughs> them always at the rear derailleur that's weird. They're not, they're not over-torqued. I've always checked all that stuff. I've broken every brand derailleur cable, um, so it's not a fault there, but I've broken three or four. 
That's that's an odd. I've never actually seen rear derailleur cables break in that yep. spot. I break it at that one spot. It's always so where they wind around in the shifter. Yeah, it's something to do with my bike because, and it happened on my old jet. Because you don't bike. have like customers that you work on their bike, like coming in with that brake. <clears throat> no, it's my bike. I have no idea why. That's uh, crazy. It's only if I let the derailleur cable be on there for a year or more. That's it. Yeah. If I replace my derailleur cable, it seems to never happen when it's new. Yeah. It's always when it's really old. So I, and something about my bike, when I really load the thing up in a corner, it'll shift up one gear and shift right back down. So something, <laughs> something's happening back there. Yeah. It's loading up the derailleur. And I think that's why it's putting some undue stress on the cable. But I mean, it's just regular cable routing. There's nothing fancy with it. So I have no idea. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. No idea why. Uh, let's see on that note. I do have my bike back finally. Yeah. Race face took a month, but they did finally uh, replace my crank arm that had some kind of something Rattling flopping around in inside of it. Yeah. Man, I want to know what was in there. I really do too, but anyway, they sent me a new one. Bike's all good to go. What would Canadians all... put in there, like a hockey puck? <laughs> uh, uh, what else? I Oh, I've got some good feedback for people thinking about bars, and we've talked about 35.0 bars. Uh-huh. I've had 35.0 bars for a while now on this bike, uh-huh. and I could tell a difference. And I thought that I liked it, but I went back to a 31.8 uh, last week, uh-huh. and the bike is so much better. So it's a tiny bit lighter, and it, for what I do, don't get me wrong, that really direct steering of the 35.0 was instantly noticeable, uh-huh. but it just fatigued me. The, thing yeah. just beat the, the front end just beat the shit out of me for it kind does. of undue reason. It does. So I agree. what it's worth, there's a real actual perceivable difference between the two. So just know what you're getting into if you get the 35.0. If you've got a really, really big bike and you're going to do short, fast bursts, I think they're great. If you're going to do really, really long stuff um, or more cross-country style, the 31.8 I think is just the better solution right now. Well, I mean, think about what happened when you went from like 32-millimeter stanchion to larger stanchion forks. The same thing's happening with your bar. Yeah, but there's no valving and damping and compression and rebound in your bar. Yeah, I mean i I felt like I got used to it um, the same way you would get used to a very hard saddle. Yeah, I got very used to it. I rode it for a year, pretty yeah. much, and yeah. it was it was acceptable. It wasn't just the worst thing in the world. It just it's one of those things that I noticed on long rides and. Yeah, like your hands and your arms, like your forearms and shoulders yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's almost like you're riding an alloy bar again. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's those little things on bikes that really make a difference over the really long term. So just a pointer out there for people thinking about bars. Yeah, um, I've given yeah. that advice before. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I like them both. I think they both have their place. There's nothing wrong with the 35.0. It's but if not you're doing like marketing. the NUE 100 mile series, like that's probably not the bar you want. Uh, but yeah, if you're going to do, you know, if you're building a long travel bike and you're going to do lift service stuff, get that 35.0 bar. Those things are really nice. Yeah. They but, do. Like the handling of those is nice. Yeah. Uh, what else? So I, I really like my bike. I say that a lot, but I still really like it. <laughs> it's awesome. Good old alloy jet. Yeah. Still a great bike. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Hold on. Take care. You talk to Kenny. Let me take care of Indy. Okay. Um. I don't know. I'm. I. That my 
Mom, mom, I just I I'm on Niners website now. I don't know why. I just am. <laughs> uh, one of my employees just bought a RKT, so I'll be able to get some feedback to you guys on that because I've yet to ride one, which is a shame. Ride but what? The, Sorry. R- the RKT? new RKT. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. I'd, I'd like to try one out too. So I'll get you guys some feedback on that. I'll probably borrow it. Um, go try it out. What else is new in the world? Um, I'm kind of a. Uh, what is this? What what's the deal with the RKT? What is it supposed to do that the Jet Nine doesn't? It is. It is a little bit shorter and lower, as far as reach and stack. Um, shorter, shorter and lower? Or longer. It's it's shorter. Okay. A tiny bit, tiny, tiny, tiny bit. But this is all based around. Well, I have to go double check that. I'm fairly certain that's a tiny bit shorter, and it's a tiny bit lower. I know the head tube is about 10 mil shorter per size compared to the jet. What else is different? The chainstays are uh, roughly a centimeter shorter, so it should be a little snappier handling. What and else? The travel change? is a little shorter, isn't it? It's a 90 mil travel in the back, down from 100, and it's a lot lighter. Uh, it's somewhere around a half pound lighter. It's a pretty big deal. Damn. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool bike. It's you know they took the jet and they just like upgraded a bunch of stuff and it's it's nice. Yeah, I, I think I very well might get one, but I just eh, I'm kind of iffy on sizing. Really? Yeah, I like their bigger mediums. They fit me really well. But right, but I, you don't I, want something that's that. I don't want anything lower than what I have today. Yeah. That's the problem, and that's just me because I'm weird. Um, I'm not like normally proportioned. It's just no, you're not like weird. Like the the large is ten millimeters longer than my crave. Yep, and twenty millimeters lower. Wow, that's very low. Like they're going back like it's a it's just a stupid fucking race bike. Like the problem is, is no one needs that geometry. I know that's what pisses me off, and the people no that's like the Trek. That's like the that. Trek H1 geometry. Yeah, there's I mean, like look, five people that need that. Put a really short head tube on the size small, but like fuck on the medium and the large, nobody is riding that. And if you are riding that, they make wacko super negative stems and negative bars, and just deal with that. But for ninety five or ninety nine percent of the rest of the public, stop making short fucking head tubes. God damn it, pisses me off. Because I really I love the RKT in every aspect except that. Well, that's the thing. It's actually so. Looking at this, I would have to guess it is longer and lower than the other yeah, not bikes. shorter and lower. I thought it was actually a tiny bit shorter on the reach. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm already on their site, so let me go pull up the Jet, Jet Nine RDO. Quick aside, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but Surly, I've talked about it a lot with other people, Surly needs to add, oh God, if I had to guess, like an inch to every one of their bikes. Yeah. So (laughs) you you say it's shorter on the RKT. I say that's not an appreciable difference. Technically, yes. Oh, oh. Oh, the reach? So if if you're running a 100 millimeter fork, it's three millimeters. That's okay. not. So it's, that, it's not much, but it is. It's not. It's not like vastly longer and lower. It's really about the same in the reach, but lower. But it's it's. Uh, let's see. I mean, it's twelve millimeters lower. 
Yeah. That's and assuming a hundred, yep, a hundred everywhere is the only thing that they're wanting you to run on that bike. So, yeah. and if I bought one just to make it rideable for me, I'd probably have to get a 51 offset 110 to make it decent because I got to get it up somehow. Like, I got to get the bar up a little bit higher. And the only way I can really do that is with a longer fork, but then, then run the 51 offset to compensate for that to make it handle faster again. So, yeah, I don't know. It could be a really cool bike with a 110 51, but I'd really rather just run a 100. Well, the there's just no one needs a bike that low. I agree. I mean, no one. And, and the thing that bothers me is I've got a couple of customers who are interested in it, and they're having the exact same problem that I am because I look at what their bike is today on something they're very happy with, and like if they already have a Jet Nine with a bunch of spacers under the stem, that's exactly what they all have. That's what everybody has. What are you gonna well, do? I, I think the only time I've seen people complain about the Jet Nine stack would be like someone on a smaller extra small running a 120 fork like i used to use the negative 17 because i had a 120 fork and i wanted my bars to be like about level to my saddle so you know like otherwise like with the 120 they if i didn't have the really slammed stem like that they, they would be above and i just i wasn't really that comfortable like that yeah, and, and with my bike, like my Crave, it's pretty low. I mean, it's pretty – I still have drop, but I don't have to run a bunch of spacers and stuff, which is really nice because, like, it's stiffer that way because there's less exposed to your tube, and it just works better. I'd rather just not have, yeah, the spacers because it puts less stress on your steer tube because that nub that sticks up the top, if you've got a whole bunch of spacers above that uh, um, upper race, that little uh, compression plug of your – not compression plug, but the little compression ring that interfaces to your headset bearing. Whatever right. you have sticking up above that, plus you have a positive rise stem and you have a positive rise bar, all of a sudden you have a huge amount of leverage on that little two-inch piece that sticks above the headset bearing and you can do all kinds of weird things. So, Yeah. I just – short head tubes, stop it. Well, they have to make them on the small – so this is something that like I've talked about before, but we can talk about it right now. Like if you look at the stack – on an extra small RKT, just for shits and giggles, right? Sure. The stack on the large, because conservatively, I would ride a large in the RKT. I mean, that, that would be the bike that I picked for myself. Sure. The, the head tube only gets an inch taller. Between yeah. an extra small and a large. That's insane. But just to do... The quick math on it. Ah, uh, fuck. My math isn't so quick. But still, say your average your average size small rider is going to well, have a saddle height of, say... Well, I was going to say Andrea's seat height is 26 and a half inches. Yeah. So my head tube gets an inch taller than hers. My seat gets five inches higher than hers. Exactly. So like, what the fuck? Stop well, doing that shit. Like, the, the head tube... You know, so the stack has to be what it is on the extra small. If it gets too short, then the front end of the bike just flops off, right? Well, and also sure. uh, what happened with my first Air 9 Carbon is the tapered part of a tapered fork uh, is too tall. 
and that little compression ring won't actually seat all the way down into the headset. Now, I think that was a problem only on the first run RockShox. Okay. Yeah, well, the RockShox taper was really long. Yeah, so yeah. I had to... I think that's since been fixed. Uh, well, I had to, like, grind down the bottom part of the compression ring. like the And the RockShox guy was like, these frame builders are... I actually called SRAM Tech Support. He's like, these frame builders are going to have to know they can't make head tubes that short. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because it's the frame builder's fault because they didn't read the tech document provided right. by RockShox. Yeah. You know, it's not like RockShox hides that fact or whatever. They just didn't <laughs> fucking read it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, frame builders, stop that shit. If, if your average seat height is going to be four or six inches taller than your size small, then the head tube should be something close to that, not yeah. one inch taller. Yeah. Fuck. Well, even let's meet in the middle. I mean, make it two inches taller. You know, like like my seat height went up five inches. The frame went up two inches. I'm happy yeah. with that even. you know. Yes, but a one to two is fine, but a one to four ratio is not cutting it, guys. It sucks. Yeah. I hear so that's that. my that's my little gripe. The more I think about it, it pisses me off. <laughs> I was trying to find the geo because I was uncertain that I got my stack and reach right on my bike, and I'm there now. Let's see. What was that? Kenny was opening a wrapper. I'm opening a bag. Oh boy. Oh, I'm sorry. So I got that wrong. The RKT is 30 millimeters, 32 millimeters shorter than my Crave. Wow. So you would have to get an extra large. No. When you say shorter, you're talking about not in reach. You're talking about in head tube, correct? Yeah, stack. Okay. So I would say closer, longer, shorter, higher. You know, reach would be closer or longer, and then stack would be lower or higher. So, yeah. But it's, it's actually, and then the reach... So I it's, if it all comes back to the fact that the dude who owns Niner is really short. You think that's it? I'm serious. <laughs> well, but the reach on the Crave is closer. You know, so the the so it's a shorter. To, it's a shorter reach. reach, and the stack is 32 millimeters taller. Ooh, can I can I do a little bike fit gripe here? A couple of them. I need, sure. I haven't had a rant of my own in a while, other than ranting at myself for not being able to swallow anything without choking. Um, <laughs> so I saw this thread on Mountain Bike Review the other day, and a guy was like, I want a 120-millimeter travel bike to race endurance. And he's like, such and such bike won't fit me because I need an extra large to make this to get the seat back far enough. And then I would have to, I I don't know. He basically had so many wrong things about bike fit that I actually had to comment and correct him. And he's like, I don't know why we're talking about this because we're, I'm supposed to be talking about bikes, not about bike fit. Like he just blew my, my comment off, but it doesn't matter. So between bike sizes, the seat tubing, like that's the first, the first wrong thing I hear people say, they're like, I need to get the next size up so that I can not have to use an offset seat post. And I actually like, I've been guilty of this myself until I like snapped out of it and was like, shit, I'm dumb. Um, I've actually said that, but the seat tube angle between frame sizes 
doesn't change very much. It might go like a degree across the entire size run of bikes. And just quick interjection here. The RKT runs the same seat tube angle on every bike. The Jet 9 seat tube angle. The Jet 9 runs the same seat tube angle on every bike. And just because I have these open. The Crave runs the same seat tube angle on every bike except for the small, which is one degree steeper. Yep, imagine that. So... The seat tube angle. So when you are setting up your bike fit, like if you went to someone and paid a bunch of money for a bike fit, they're going to give you some numbers and it's going to be seat height and setback for one. That's going to be the two really big ones is seat height and seat setback. And no matter what the seat tube angle is of your bike, you set your seat up in the same and that, those are numbers that give you the, the fit in relation to your bottom bracket. Has nothing at all to do with the front end of the bike. Doesn't have anything to do with the stack. Doesn't have anything to do with the reach. Doesn't have anything to do with the top tube length. Nothing to do with any of that. So your seat tube angle is going to have the most impact on how you set that up. So, you know, if, if your setback needs to be X and your height needs to be Y... It doesn't matter where the seat tube angle is. You put your saddle in the same spot. If you have to use an offset seat post to achieve that setback, then you just have to do that. But seat tube angle will determine if you have to use like a setback seat post exactly. or not. Exactly. Yes. And then he was like, then I, you know, like because of the top tube length, I would have to use a straight seat post and, you know, like, I don't know, like a bunch of wrong shit. And, you know, it, it, after you set your saddle in the same spot relative to the bottom bracket, that's when you determine what length and rise stem handlebar, all of that stuff you need to have to be comfortable. So for Kenny, that's normally like four centimeters of spacers and a riser bar for Matt. That's going to be like a flat bar and maybe like one or two spacers. Like, but that has nothing to do with where you put your saddle. Like your saddle height and setback is like, that's your thing. That's like your fingerprint. That but I will, I will say that some bikes have a little bit different personalities from others as far as mountain bikes go. And I've noticed that some bikes for me seem to ride better if I run my saddle, say a little bit further back. Um, so for me, on like the Santa Cruz Tallboy versus the Niner Jet 9, I prefer maybe 5 mil back on the saddle compared to my Jet 9 position. Okay. That's but- just me. So I'm not saying that's the right answer. I'm just saying for me, it makes the bike feel better. Right. Well, and, and that's, you know, that's that's fine. But this was just so much like, Oh yeah, the reach on and the top tube is so long on this bike. I'm gonna have to run this seat post, and it's like that's just it's just not like they were they were basically trying to. You can't size a bike just based on effective top tube. Right, right, and that's kind of what these people were trying to do. Right, that people then and I'll interject here. The difference is I don't give a fuck what the top tube is. What's the reach? What's the reach? The reach tells me how far it is from the center of the bottom bracket to the center of the head tube. Yep, the rest of the shit fucking falls in place. Then you can determine whatever else you want. Because again, there's not a right 
answer necessarily for where you sit on the bike. That's up to you. But if you're comparing two bikes, you can't just look at effective top tube. Right. That right. It's the stack and the reach. I mean, the next most relevant thing would probably be seat tube length because I mean, effective top tube is a consideration, just like a lot of other things are a consideration. Like the stand over height should be a consideration. It's not how you fit a bike. I think it's that's just, like the least it's relevant. It's a consideration number. because if you had two reaches um, that are similar on bikes, but one's got a crazy effective top tube, that means something else is changing. So you have to, you can look at effective top tube, but it has to be in relation to everything else. Right. And it, like there was a customer who was like six foot one who came in and he stood over a 54 centimeter cyclocross bike. And he's like, oh no, no, there's no way I could ever ride a bike bigger than this because I don't, I wouldn't have any standover. It's like, <laughs> that is the least relevant measurement you can possibly have on a it bike. It really, I actually have to agree with you. It means so very little, but people are so freaking concerned about it. And I try to tell people, I'm like, look, it's really, it's, it's not, not, it's not that important. It's not because like, it, so let's imagine that if you, so like the two situations where it might matter, like you want to stop at a stoplight, you unclip one foot, you lean over and your foot is on the ground and your balls are not touching the top tube or your labia your, your or your labia or your lady parts or whatever you want to call them. They're not on the top tube. I prefer to just blanket it all together. Your ladia. Your ladia. Your genitals are not on the top tube. There's no, there's no man. There's no man labia. No, that, that's about. what I'm saying. Whatever. Like, no, you're no, a- lady labia and lady parts summed together as just labia. Yeah. Oh, like I thought you were. Con- I thought you were combining. Male so your your genitals no. in that in that oh. situation. I have, I have Tumblr on my phone. I, I we, know. We need to come up with a better word for that then. Labia. No, Whatever. no, just all just all parts. Genitals. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess they're finally bits and pieces term for that. Yeah. So that in in that situation, that controlled dismount situation, those don't touch your top tube. other end of the spectrum, an uncontrolled dismount where for whatever stupid reason you are about to wreck and your crotch is headed straight for the top tube (laughs) in that situation, if you are going to land on your top tube, you're going to land on that top tube whether you have like five inches of standover height or nothing. Motherfucker I'll better buy that step-through frame. <laughs> I've I, never yeah, hit exactly. my top tube. I've hit like my stem and my bars with shit before, but I've the, definitely never hit my top tube. The worst I've ever hit myself on the bike is descending. I've gotten my bike jammed up where like suddenly the bike wants to stop, but my body still has a lot of momentum. Yeah. And then the back of the saddle and my pubic bone try to touch with my penis in between them. That's the worst I've ever hurt myself on the bike. Like, on, when I say on the bike, I mean, like, that's the worst pain I've been in without actually, like, hitting something that wasn't on the bike. But I was still yeah. rolling. I, mean, I never that's stopped. A, that's the thing. So, like, if you're going to wreck in a way that you straddle your top tube, even if you had good standover you would straddle the top tube and hit your junk on the top tube. Like that's just, that's going to happen. If you're wrecking in that manner, you're going to hit your junk, whether it's a centimeter away or four inches away. Like it's just going to happen. So, you know, that's just, it's not a relevant 
measurement of bike fit. And I know like when I say like, oh, it didn't matter for me, so it shouldn't matter for anyone. Like every cyclocross bike I've ever had, just because cyclocross bikes tend to have um, like a straight top tube instead of a sloping top tube. Um, every cyclocross bike I've ever had has no standover. Like my wonderful lady bits are literally touching the top tube of every cyclocross bike I've ever owned. So if you've ever bought one of my used cyclocross bikes, congratulations. So, you know, it's Holy like, shit. <laughs> I just, I went to heat up enchiladas and I came back to that. Holy, <laughs> holy wow. Um, like really, it's just, it's not, it's not relevant at all. Like stop even caring. Like I wish frame builders and, I wish at Target they would take that off of the rack where they have their stupid department store bikes. Like, stop looking at standover, please. Simmer down now. <laughs> what? I haven't had a good rant forever. When was the last rant that I had? What What was it about? I mean, on air or off? On air. I don't know. I don't remember. Kenny, do you remember? Mm, it's been a while, but that was a good one. That was relevant. That was good. Uh, yeah. So what else we got going on? Um, we have a question. Kyle Mander from West Virginia. Hey, guys. Thanks for the info about hub oil last week. I've got another one for you. The rebound and compression damping on my Pike RC3 recently done quit working at all. <laughs> so I'm now riding a very expensive pogo stick. I've done oh. the prerequisite Googling. Yes, we have that in West Virginia. Hot damn, motherfucker. Oh, man. So they got they have electricity. They have the Google in West Virginia. Electricity as of what three years ago? That's what last time we checked. It's like twenty eight months, but yeah. They got the internet last week, and they got the internet on the last episode. I think they got the internet, and they have Google now. Well, but at their rate of growth, they will soon surpass us. Yeah, they're going to have all kinds of crazy. They'll have flying cars next week, and uh, you know, little food suppositories that'll uh, like a little little pill you jam up your ass, and you're good to go for like a month. Or maybe by next week, they'll just have figured out how to stop hating one another based on color and gender. But anyways, that, I digress and move on. That's, <laughs> that's never going to happen. Um, no, no. Um, I have some ideas on what's going wrong, but I was wondering if y'all seen this with any customers or your own forks. Yes. I was planning on tearing it apart for a rebuild this week, so any advice or words of wisdom would be appreciated. Kyle from West Virginia. Okay, Kyle, just so you know, and I, I don't know if Kenny knows this yet, um, the rebuild instructions for the Pike are like 17 pages long. Um, but that you have a problem with your charger damper. Um, your bike shop, if they have bike shops in West Virginia, um, if it's a relatively new fork, um, they should call SRAM and be like, hey, this is going on. Um, the way I have found with... So you could do a full service on your bike, uh, including like the bleed and like their overhaul with new O-rings and stuff. And it would probably fix it. Um, if it's a relatively new fork, like in the last year, and it's having this problem, you should get your shop to call up the Shrambulance. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> the Shrambulance. That's the, oh, their Oh, somebody's getting a chain. Yeah. <laughs> call up the Shrambulance. Tell them what's going on. And offer, say, I know that I can fix this with an overhaul, but... This is a very new fork, and the customer doesn't want to pay for it. Mm. You just showed your hand in a poker game. I'm, you know, I'm giving out industry secrets here. So pretty much, the Strambulance is going to call tomorrow and give us a cease and desist. Um, I wish a motherfucker would. 
No, I mean <laughs> I wish a motherfucker would. To be uh. honest, I think that's very much borderline. If a fork is like a year old and it has a very internal problem like a damper issue, that's one thing. If somebody just has some like shitted out ass wipers or something <laughs> like that, that's your own damn problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean it it won't that damper won't feel like a pogo stick because of wipers. You know, because even if you neglected wiper maintenance for a year, the fact that it could like affect your charger damper, that's like ugh. to me that's a little bit far fetched. So there's probably what right. it boils down to is there probably was an actual issue with the thing that did not have anything to do with neglect of maintenance, and that's why I think SRAM will take care of it. Right, and I, I think they will too. As long as it's not super old or anything, um, he should try to get them because that happened with Jonathan Davis. Like he had he had the pogo stick feeling, and his also would not lock out at all. Like it, you put it in the lock position, and it had absolutely no effect on the fork, and they um, they warranted it. Like they sent him, um, they didn't send any, I think they sent a whole new fork maybe. I don't remember. I thought it went back and got. Oh yeah. Like it went back. They're like, well, we can, if you don't want to do the service, we can do it for you. And then they were like, never mind. There was stuff messed up. So they, uh, just pulled up a picture of the wrap it up. The the Dave Chappelle wrap it up. (laughs) Oh wait, there is one Twitter discussion that we got into about bike fit or um oh god so that was the answer to the west virginia question what was his name kyle gerhard that was kyle's question kyle is about the pike so yeah take it to your shop and try to get them to call the strambulance otherwise you need to pay for the charger damper overhaul or find someone that can you know if you can't do it it's 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 a little complicated and there's some steps in it that you can screw up and have to redo it. So, you know, just, uh, just take that in mind. It's not like any other damper in like previous, like in a Reba or something where you can take it out and change the oil and check the oil volume and like make it right again. Like that just isn't, um, you know, that, that's not an option with the, uh, with the charger damper. Um, you do have to bleed it. You have to, Replace some stuff like it's what? Let me bleed it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little more complicated than your your normal damper. That's why it feels so good. Oh. <laughs> so Gerhard from Twitter, who is from South Africa, is uh, he? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he's, and I. You know what? There, when I was in high school, there was a kid named Gerhard Esterhausen. And he was from South Africa, so that must be like John there, or Gerald or something. No, like that. I think John there is just like John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he can let us know when he listens to the episode. Okay, cool. Oh my um, god, I've been on Twitter so much in the last twenty four hours, I can't even find this. He um, he wanted to know if he only had money for either a bike fit or a skills clinic. Which one should he do? Skills clinic. Yeah, and my my um my question to him was are your orthopedic problems caused by overuse or are they caused by poor technique and wrecking? Like, yeah, you know, why why do you hurt? Like why do you think you need either one of those? Like are you hurting because you ride your bike a lot and something is out of place or are you hurting because when you ride your bike, you wreck because you suck at riding your bike? Yeah, and I think I can sum this up in a different, like, less scientific 
way to ask a question. If you went out on your bike and pedaled on the pavement for two hours, would you be utterly destroyed? Or, and and let me, because this is going to be kind of like a multi-part question. If you got on your bike and tried to bunny hop up the curb, would you get a flat on the rear tire? Like, which is more likely? Because if you can pedal all day, but you can't bunny hop up the curb, you need skills. But if you can, if pedaling all day makes you hurt, then when you're really hurt, like if you can normally bunny hop up the curb, but then you're in the pain cave just because pedaling your bike is all fucked up, then you can't bunny hop up the curb later because you're all like, I'm broken. Meh. Like, yeah. Yeah, like it, and it I, just, I agree. Like, and and you can even you could do both. Like, you can go to most bike shops and just have your fit, your general bike fit checked out. Like, is your seat too low? Is your fore and aft pretty close? Like that kind of thing. You don't have to pay a lot of money for that sort of evaluation, and unless you have, <laughs> that's looking at the wrap it up gifts. Unless you have, you know, like we said, some problems where riding your bike is actually uncomfortable. Um, just the really, really basic, like, knee over pedal spindle and, you know, joint angles to make sure your seat height is right. Like, that stuff is, that's going to cover, like, 90% of the people out there. And anything, like, if you went out and had a $400 bike fit, um, any gains over the, like, $75 bike fit are going to be pretty small. Uh, but, you know, if you, if you're having issues, if you get the $70 bike fit and you have problems like, you know, knee problems and ankle problems and like one muscle in your leg hurting, like, yeah, the $400 bike fit is like, that's your jam. Like you need to go get that and see what's going on and go and get it from someone who knows what they're doing. Like pay for someone's education and knowledge in that situation. Knowledge. Knowledge. The more you learn, the more you earn. Uh, anyway, um, but if that's not the case, then for sure, that is a really fucked up photo. He has Matt just pulled up a picture of Carrot Top without his shirt on. He's yoked up, dude. He's, well, Carrot Top went through a little phase there where he was ripped. Like steroids out the He was dude. juicing like a mo. Yeah, and it wasn't Carrot be. Juice, if you know what I'm saying. Carrot Juice. <laughs> he might still be ripped. That dude is scary as shit. Like, yeah, he is. Because he's just, he's just crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. And him being like all jacked is just, God, Carrot Top is scary. So, and, and in our Twitter conversation, like, uh, you know, we kind of determined he should go to a skills clinic. He says he has problems with steep things and switchbacks and drops. I'll give you something steep. And I said, you need a dropper post and to go to a skills clinic. Like those two things together are going to potentially fix the problems that you have. And he's like, what on a cross country hardtail, but I can get behind the saddle. And that is you. That's <laughs> anyway, more stuff that bats pulling up on the internet. Um, so the point of a dropper post so let's rewind a little bit. When people get behind their saddle, what they're trying to do really is lower their center of gravity with a rigid seat post. And that's not the best way to do it. Like that's, it's sketchy. 
And it doesn't really, it, it doesn't, I mean, it's better than not getting behind your seat. But a dropper post allows you to put the seat down and lower your center of gravity without having a saddle poking you in the gut or the sternum or the boobs or wherever your saddle is going to poke you if you don't have a dropper post. So it's way, way, way more confidence inspiring than getting behind your saddle. And you actually can lower your center of gravity instead of moving your center of gravity backwards and lowering it. So that's why you would want a dropper post. Like if you have problems with, like if you can ride a rigid post and negotiate any sort of terrain, downhill, steep, drops, switchbacks, whatever, like you don't need a dropper post on your, on your cross country bike. But if that's holding you back, like if you get to the downhill section and you're losing like two or three places because you can't do that stuff, then the dropper post is going to make you more successful in your cross country racing. Um, so yeah, like get a dropper post, go to a skills clinic. Like that's the point of a dropper post. It's not because, you know, it's like, yeah, there are lots of people that can just get behind their saddle and (laughs) there are a lot of people that can just get behind their saddle and do all that stuff. And, you know, everyone did it before dropper post existed, but that's like a huge convenience for mountain biking now. And it's a big helper for people that are trying to learn how to negotiate that stuff or navigate that stuff. It's almost like you make your mountain bike feel more like a BMX bike, which is when lots of people learned how to get off the ground. Yeah. So that, that's, um, and that I like at that point when he said something about getting behind a saddle, that's when I was like, we're going to talk about it on the show tonight because I can't in 140 characters, um, tell you that getting behind the saddle is not necessarily the best solution to your problems. So, uh, that's, that's really it. I don't have a person to recommend for South Africa as far as uh, skills clinics, because I've never, um, you know, never, but if you had to do one in the U S it would be Andy Weimaraner. Weimaraner. Yeah. Yeah. His last name's Winterowski, but I call him Weimaraner now. I've never met him, but yeah. I, I did a skills clinic with him. It was in Arkansas, and it was good. Like I like him in the U.S., but I can't recommend anyone in South Africa. Sorry. Chris Froome. Chris Froome. You can learn how to ride like Skeletor. <laughs> he uses his front brake in downhill corners on the road, so I don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, skills clinics, like, I don't know. Like, I learned the sequence of braking, which was something I was doing wrong, leading the bike like body position. It was, it was extremely useful and it made me faster. So do that. Are we done? New shit. We definitely hate. Okay. What new shit do you hate? Um, crickets. Crickets. I hate crickets. I mean, they're annoying as shit. They're like chirp, 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 chirp. And you're like, I'm trying to sleep. They're like chirp, chirp. I'm in your tent. Uh, no, I don't know. Um, Ben sent a relief to, or a link, a link to a leak of a sneak peek. Oh, and okay. it's just like, that shit's getting old. Like, right now we have Shimano who pulled all their advertising from Velo News because Velo News shared some stuff that they got from someone that shouldn't have shared some stuff. And like, blah, blah, blah. And then you have other companies who are just like, hey, sneak photo. <laughs> it's not a sneak photo if it's like a photo on the beach of a fork with fucking labels on it. Like, 
Yeah, it's a fucking sneak peek if you like snuck your camera into the R&D department of a company, which you really probably shouldn't do. That would be a sneak peek. <laughs> or, I mean, it goes back like years ago, I worked for a guy that had worked for Specialized. And like he lived in Morgan Hill. And he said there'd be mornings that you'd be on a ride. You'd be like, and someone would like see you. And they'd be like, hey, Jay, can't stop. Gotta go. And like they wouldn't stop on whatever bike they were riding because they couldn't let you look at it. Like, they had a prototype bike. That's a sneak peek. Like, if you had the camera with, like, two-foot-long lens and you took a picture of that guy, that's a sneak peek. Yeah, but they... That's a spy shot. And that's that's how they get, like, real-world data. They take dudes that know what they're doing. I say... I I use dudes in the genderless sense. Folks that know what they're doing that have ridden bikes, and they send them out. They're like, hey, go ride this bike. And the person brings it back. They're like, it wouldn't turn. And they're like, oh. Head tube angles too slack, or fork doesn't have enough rake, and then they're like try it now, and they're like, oh, cool, I like this one, you know. So like Jay wrote a bunch of stuff before it was real, like, and that's, I mean, that's that sneak is when like you can't stop when your bike is posed on the beach and someone's taking photos of it with stickers on it. Fuck you, like, yeah, yeah, that's not really a sneak. Like Jay told me a long time ago that they had paint samples of one of the new specialized bikes. I can't remember if it was the Tarmac or the Roubaix, but they wanted to build one to send to Interbike. And they were like, hey, I need you to build this bike. And he was like, okay. They're like, it's a paint sample. He's like, okay. He's like, they're like, no, uh, there's no real carbon in this one. Like this, it. And he said, like, building it was so hard. Like, he didn't adjust the shifting. He didn't adjust anything. Like, no joke, he could have broken the frame over like his knee. it was knee. just a plastic. Yeah, it was frame. just a, it was a fully functioning paint sample. And, like, it was a photoable frame. Like, if you saw a frame set on their website, it would have passed for that. But, like, if you had stepped on it, it would have cracked. Like, and... And that's like the kind of sneak stuff that people deal with. Like, oh shit, we need to build this bike and put it on display at Interbike. But, uh, oh shit, like if I like put the seat tube in and then like try to move the bike without loosening the clamp on the work stand, I'm going to snap the frame in half. Like that's like next level shit. It's not next level shit when a photographer is using his iPhone on the beach. Cause that picture sucks too. Yeah, it does. I mean, like, you can't read, like... Yeah, yeah, and, like, they have information about it. Like, that's that's not, like, a spy shot. That's not... They're not... Like, they're not speculating. They're not, like, we took this photo when, when we saw... It was on Instagram. We saw this, uh, this professional riding a bike down the boardwalk, and our photographer happened to get a photo, and this is what we think it is. It's basically... Like a posed shot and as much information as the company would give about that product. Like it's it's just it's so fake. It's just like when uh SRAM Eagle accidentally got leaked. Like that actually was like someone leaked that information when they shouldn't have, and none of those media outlets actually gave out that information. They're like Oh, no, we're not supposed to. SRAM told us not to, so we can't actually leak anything. Like, so anything, any new stuff you see, like, that's, that's a, 
you know, that's, that's company sponsored stuff. Like that's stuff the company has decided that they want you to see. So yeah, that's, that's nice. I like your zip stem there. Anything else? I like turtles. (laughs) (laughs) I put new shoelaces in my Juro Empire shoes today. Why do you have Juro Empire shoes? Uh, Because they're fucking dope. They're like the nicest carbon fiber sole that Easton makes, but they don't have a dickhead upper. You can put colorful laces in them, and it's cool. Okay. (sighs) Whatever. They look like bowling shoes. And if your shoes look old, you take the laces out, you clean them with like soap and water and put new laces in them, and your shoes look new again. They do look good. I just... They feel great on my feet. They, yeah, they don't agree with how I wear mountain bike shoes, so they just personally wouldn't... Well, they're my road shoes, so it doesn't matter. Or road shoes. You know how I like my shoes. I put reflective laces in them today for safety. (laughs) You know, because safety first. Um... I don't know if there's anything else that we should hate. Nope, that's it. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of hate that we didn't get any uh, donations, but that's okay. It's fine. We're um, still we're still giving you the entertainment. So just in case, no, I'm gonna put the gun to him. Ben told me that he was going to record <laughs> a special little blurb to input into further episodes. So now you'll hear from Ben. Thanks, Matt. This is your reminder to go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR and you become a member or click through the Amazon link or head over to the newly updated endurance mountain bike calendars. Thanks, Ben. Really appreciate that. <laughs> Hope you recorded that shit. <laughs> He's just going to leave that in there so you sound like a turd. That's fine. <laughs> no, that's uh, Ben's super competitive. He won't let me one up him. He won't be like, oh, shit. I didn't get to that. He'll be like, he'll stop whatever he's doing to work on this show and do it real quick. This kid's going to like, he's going to have the diaper halfway off of his kid and he's just going to drop it and the kid's going to keep on like pooping on the floor. I don't, I don't know if his kids are pooping on the floor still. All kids poop on floors. All, all of them. Until they're 18. Well, and then sometimes after that, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You act like you've never shit your pants I mean, only that one time when I was doing intervals. Oh, God. Well. Are we done? That's a show. That's a whole show. And no French fries came out of my nose. No French fries came out of noses. I had so many. I had so many Budweiser's over the last three hours. King of beers. Yeah. King of beers. King of podcast. JRA. Fucking get you some. (laughs) <laughs> uh, alright listen go to jrashow.com uh, and just click around for fun good night oh well one more oh, quick that was supposed to be the end of the show alright bye